Hey, what's up, man? Thank you for tuning in. (laughs) Here we are, finally, once, for once and for all, not once again, we finally have an incredible guest today, just another level of guest for uh, today's edition of Talk So Real. (laughs) He's here. Talk So Real, Matt Sanzala, I'm Matt Sanzala, and my guest today is the esteemed DJ Jester, my man, hello. What up? <laughs> I requested the sounds. Yeah, you got the sounds on this one today. <laughs> the Roadcaster Pro, live from Austin, Texas. Here we are. Today, tonight, whenever you're listening, we do appreciate you being out there. Hope we're sounding good. And uh, as always, tell a friend to tell a friend about Talk So Real, the podcast on all your favorite platforms. DJ Jester. Yes, sir. Don't normally Filipino start. fist. <clears throat> Filipino fist. At DJ, Filipino DJ fist. DJ Jester, the Filipino fist. DJ Jester, the Filipino fist. a whole fist. title. I knew that. It's a whole title. I knew that. I, have the, I still have the emails. <laughs> the, you I have the get, emails from get, San Antonio. Back in the day. I'm sure they do. I've got the same email address. They're in there. Yeah. Man. Those days. I usually don't just go into like history because we just kind of talk shit and we'll probably do a lot of that, I'm going to assume, but... I really want to know everything you can tell me about West Columbia, Texas. <laughs> West Columbia, Texas is the... Uh, <laughs> I drove in here from West Columbia, Texas, and let me tell you. <laughs> West Columbia is the first capital of the Republic of Texas. Uh, that's their claim to fame. And uh, it's like, when I was there, there was like 6,000 people or something. It's probably a little bit more. It's probably like 6,700 people now. And it's in Brazoria County. It's like 50 miles south of Houston. That's where I grew up. Okay. But as a DJ, I think you really started making a name for yourself in San Antonio. Yes. So after I graduated, so I went went to school. A lot of people people went to UT or A&M. I chose to go to the University of Texas at San Antonio. So beep, beep, we're roadrunners. Never get caught. So I went to San Antonio (laughs) for school. Uh, and that's where I started DJing when I was in school, after high school. Have you ever DJed with Richard Henry? Um, I know Richard Henry really well. That's a big one. I don't know if we'd ever actually DJ together, but, um, probably back in the day we did. I just don't remember. Well, when you, when I reference those emails, I remember... Were you doing like a scratch school or so? You were doing something at a library from what I remember when I was first hearing about you. Man, back in the day. Yes, me and Classen. Mm-hmm. Um, we used to do during the summers, and like right about now in the hot Texas heat, um, we would do these scratch school uh, classes basically at a different, a different public library in San Antonio every weekend. And uh, yeah. Was that early 2000s? That was probably late like, 90s. Probably early 2000s. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, probably like yeah, early 2000s, I'd say. And you would set up and kids would come out. Kids would come out and uh you know, we'd ask people. That's actually how I met Classen because I used to do scratch schools with this these other guys that were that were DJs, um Filipino dudes that mm. we they called ourselves the underdog turntablists. And I was in their crew, but I was, like, also, like, their manager. Mm-hmm. I was more their manager than, like, their 
I would like to do. See, that I was getting those stuff. emails. Those were the original. Yeah, those original emails. emails. That, that's emails. underdog turns tableless. That's probably yep. what you're thinking of. Exactly. So that's how I met Classen because we used to do those. So that's Scratch School originated with those dudes, and we used to do these shows, these kind of sessions at Borders Books and Music in the Quarry mm, Market that's right. in San Antonio. Rest in peace. That was yep. a fun place to go to. So got to go there for hours and just read magazines all day. But we so they let so I had a friend that worked there and she was like, Hey, you guys should just DJ here. But I was like, Well, can we do something like can we like showcase and like maybe like do a thing for kids? They're like, Yeah, yeah. So we did a scratch school there. And uh, at the end of every you know, session, that was like like an hour. We kinda tell people real introductory stuff, like this is a turntable, this is the other this is another turntable, this is a mixer, this is how it works. And then, you know, they scratch and stuff and you know, just make it entertaining. And then at the end, we would ask kids to come up. Like, yo, do you want to, anybody out there who feel like scratching? Come on up. And then this dude came up, and he must have been like 15 at the time, and he was cutting. And I was like embarrassed because I was like, oh, man, this dude can scratch better than me. And he's like a kid. Ended up being Classen. And that's actually how I met DJ Prince Classen. Man, that's dope. And then y'all started doing that together from there? So it was a couple of years later. Um, we were both working at the same record store, Hogwild Records. and uh, Still there? Still there. And uh, that's how, you know, we just we were DJing a lot together. At the, I was real active. Uh, I was a DJ at the time at this uh, poetry slam in San Antonio called Poodle Slam. They still have that. Mm-hmm. But not, it's actually Donnie D now. I think they've only had, I think it was... Me and then I left and it was classing for a bit and I think it was Donnie D after that but he's Donnie D is still the the house DJ for that after like twenty years or something. Man, he's the man. He's the man. Donnie D is the man. No doubt, best DJ ever. I love to hear the stories like this because you know we get muddled in a lot of the same Houston rap stories and different things about what happened in in different times. But back in those days, I know for a fact, while all the things were happening with DJ Screw or Switcher House and all the people we love. There were scenes in San Antonio and in Houston and Dallas and Austin that were just under the radar and pretty dope. Like the real scratch DJs, the, you know, crazy MC, like the chaotics out of Houston. They, oh, yeah. they don't get brought up in the same, you know, sure. same mentions as Lil Kiki or whatever. Neither does uh, Fat Tony. Yeah. But there's always been like interesting stuff happening. I mean, when Baby G won the DMCs in 1991 from yeah. Dallas, that was like huge for all of us, I think. We were all super stoked. Texas. And uh, just to see Texas go up there and make that happen. But then uh, so many guys like yourself came out of that era straight out of Texas. Oh, definitely. And, and I, when it, I first heard your mix, like, we're going to talk about your new mix because, it's, I mean, it's, it's right in line with everything I've always loved about your work, man, and what you were able to do before. <clears throat> I'm going to say it. You were the, <laughs> I'm going to say it to the people, man. <laughs> You were. <laughs> no, you were, I mean, for lack of a better term, I'm sure there's better terms. You were the mashup before the mashup, before people were mixing up things that that were kind of crazy to go together on every mixtape. Your early tapes were crazy. I'll never forget playing, um, uh, I'm so bad with titles, but. You were walk. One, no, one heavily way. booted. Yeah, Heavily Booted was, was one, the one Secret you started out with um, Amarillo by Morning, right? Right in the or beginning? Secret, might have been Secret Love, one of those two. I but get it, those, was, it was close to the beginning, and I remember... <laughs> it's close to the beginning. I remember playing it 
on the radio in Houston, just uh, like a tw- 10 minutes of it or something. And Chill and a couple other dudes in the studio were just singing along to Amarillo by morning. <laughs> and they were stoked. Love they that. loved it, I you love know? That. And that's the sort of thing that I've always admired, mixing up all the sounds. Yeah, man. Always been an inspiration in that world. Those are the days. That, you know, my show was different kind of back then. I don't know if you remember, I used to, I used to dance a lot on mm-hmm. stage. And it was just a whole audience you know participation this is you guys this is like pre-serato so everything was vinyl so you you know you're not you don't have to look at a computer your eyes are like dilating you know you actually have a like connection to the audience Mm -hmm. you know so i remember i would go into the crowd and stuff and you know and that was from like playing with kid koala really being on tour with him and just seeing how he you know definitely like my style was like derivative of that were you out there with him that early on like I mean, I remember it was pretty early. Uh, Two thousand. Like one year in San Antonio. It was a kick was a little bit after that. Okay. But I, I think I I honed it. You know, it was very loose back then, and mm-hmm. I kind of like figured out how, I, I I had to play in front of people after that. You know? Right. Well, that's crazy though. I mean, I know back in those days, I used to see. One thing I complain about a lot, the artists down here who get comfortable and things, they don't tour so much. You always were on the road with Grand Buffet, with Kid Koala, and you did your own things too. Like when did, how did that all come to you? How did you end up DJing for Grand Buffet? So Grand Buffet, as you know, they're from uh, Pittsburgh. From Pittsburgh, represent. <laughs> yeah. I, so, so I tell you how that happened. I so back in the day they used to always book me for these anti con shows. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> at emos at emos all the time like sure graham or james you know they used to always like yo you want to dj this show it's like all right so i was kind of throwing in in that you know from the beginning because you know it was weird and cool dudes man cool know? experimental yeah. music you know cool you know so um one time i think class and i were playing together and these two dudes came on stage after the show after we played, we opened up, right? We were the first acts. And then I, would, I was packing up my stuff. And these two two dudes from that I didn't know who they were they came on stage. And they're like, hey, man, that was amazing. And I thought there were just, like, some, some like, dudes in the audience. And then I got off the stage, and they were, like, the next group. And that was Grand Buffet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was all like, oh, thanks. Um, and then we just, we kind of, like, we traded numbers, uh, I remember being real blown away by their stage show because those guys had like an amazing show in that they could just uh, they improved a lot mm-hmm. with each other and with the audience. Like it's a lot of stuff they said sounded like it was written, but it wasn't. Like as far as like their, I mean, it was just they were they were fearless. You know, it was like comedians at at work doing their craft. It was pretty amazing. Like it's quick. You know, mm-hmm. so. Anyways, uh, we kept in touch. Every time they'd come into town, I'd come see them play. And then, you know, eventually those dudes were like, you want to come on tour with us and be our DJ? And so mm-hmm. I went to Pittsburgh and practiced with them and ended up touring. They had the same booking agent at the time as of Montreal. So we went on tour with of Montreal. And then the next year I went on tour with of Montreal and MGMT before MGMT was big. And then, you know... Rest is history, but you know, Kid Koala stuff was before that, so you know. But you know, their their booking agent was actually from Houston. Do you remember Eric Carter? 
man, yeah, that's crazy. That was that's the, true. The, Eric Carter, Cork, you know, that was Cork that, agency. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, he was their booking agent. He booked everybody back then. Yeah, for real. A Montreal, why? You know, all it's, you know, all kinds of groups. So, was there a scene for like Anacon and and Grand Buffet type stuff in Austin at that time, or in San Antonio? And definitely in Austin. Yeah, um, San Antonio. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I worked in. I worked at the record store, Hogwild Records. So, you know, I, I I was in charge of buying all the hip hop and all the rap stuff for that store for a little while. So yeah, definitely, we had dudes come in. There was a dude named Jason. He had this thing called Full Blown Distribution. I don't know if you ever do you remember that dude. He would hang out at shows. He was from San Antonio, but he would come up to Austin on the weekends, and basically slang these tapes that he got from like underground West Coast dudes. Or just people from all over the place. Just mm-hmm. he would sell CDs and tapes, and he had his own distribution. And then he just kind of, and then he just kind of disappeared. But that dude used to drop off a bunch of stuff, and we'd buy it from him at the at the record store. And I think without that dude, we probably wouldn't have been exposed to a lot of that stuff. It was really weird. But he then he just kind of disappeared. I don't know where he is now. Wasn't really no internet then. It was starting. Yeah. Little things were happening. Yeah. I mean, he would, you know, all the Micah Nine and Freestyle Fellowship and all, just all the kind of weird L.A. stuff he would bring in. I, I'd never heard it before. I'd be like, whoa, this is weird. I love it. Yeah, well, pre, <laughs> pre-Anacon and all that in the mid-90s, it was, you know, Freestyle Fellowship. This was like their second home. Oh, like Austin. Hieroglyphics yeah, and, yeah. The, and, and the Project Blow guys, they were in Austin. All, all the time. time. I could see that. Yeah. For real. For sure. For sure. Yeah, those were some crazy times. And crazy shows. Crazy shows. Yeah, we used to come up, <clears throat> you know, I used to come up when I was in school. I'd come up to Austin just, just to see shows on the weekends. And I just remember going to Liberty Lunch. I don't remember ever going to South Congress back then. Or mm. We would go to campus. We yep. would see shows. I remember the Roots played one time. Yep. At the Texas Union. I went with Stephen Hill. I think he was there. Stephen. <laughs> That's um, one of our connections. That's one of our connections. You know? Do you remember that time in Chicago that we hung out? Yeah. At Radiohead? No, we went to see Radiohead we went in to see Radiohead. Park. That was a long time ago. Super and wasn't weird. Kid Koala on that show, too? Kid Koala was opening yep. for Radiohead be- way before I toured with Kid Koala. I had just met Kid Koala because I was on the Boca Burger tour. Yeah, I was, but yeah, that was post-Wienermobile. That Oscar was, Meyer Wiener. That, was yeah, it pretty? I was on... Well, so a lot of people thought I drove the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile, and sometimes I don't argue with people when they say that because I think it sounds good. But I actually drove the Boca Burger Mobile. But I remember so that. But I thought you did both. So here's the connection. So yeah, <laughs> wait, it needs some sounds. Needs some sounds. So <laughs> okay, so here's the deal. Here's the deal. Ready? Ready? Okay. Right. Here's the big story. All right. So I graduated from school with an American Studies degree, right? And I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I was in the career services center looking on the computer. Like, well, well, I don't even know where I'm going to work. I'm just working in this record store. I'm just a DJ. What am I going to do with my life? I don't know. American studies. What do you do with that? So I, I, was, like, oh, I was like, oh, man, I'm going to apply for the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile. That came up. So I applied for the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile. They called me up. They said, hey, we think you'd be a better fit for this other thing. <laughs> At the time, Kraft Foods owned both of them out of Madison, Wisconsin. They're like, 
we think you'd be a better fit for the Boca Burger Mobile. I was like, better fit? I don't know what that means, but sure. <laughs> so they caught. So I went up there and I interviewed for that, and it was crazy. Like when you go, it's the same. It's the same headquarters, but we're just like the stepbrothers of them. But it was weird because you would see like the there were like nine or ten like Wiener Mobiles parked in the parking lot. It was just like a wild like, whoa, where mm-hmm. am I? It's so cool though. I loved it, and then. Yeah, at the time I was driving the that was my first job out of college. I was driving the Boca Bergmobile up and down the East Coast and Midwest, and I think I was in Chicago. And you happened to be living there at the time, and we hung out. And I met Radiohead it, was playing. Radiohead was playing. I bought a ticket, spent fifty dollars, uh, a lot of money for me back then. Exactly. You know but that show like, would be three hundred and sixty-seven dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then we went to the show, you and know. it turns out, well, I mean, I knew Kickwell was opening, so I went and kind of out with him and built with him a little bit and i think beta band played that too really really good lineup good show yeah and then the rest is history after that show <clears throat> went back to our neighborhood in uh at like belmont and western yes and we were you know quite possibly intoxicated a little bit and uh but we went to the liquor store on the corner right there and there was a local jail like a place, like a holding cell type thing on the other side of Western, off about where we live. And we go into the liquor store, and we're looking around, and uh, two Polish guys, speaking Polish, had uh, were handcuffed together and had like a little jacket they were trying to hide the handcuffs as they walked through the liquor store to get some liquor, where they had obviously just escaped like a police car or... Whoa. When they, they had to have. It was like so a wait, walk away. Ha- was like a, that happened that night? Yeah, because we... I think we walked home from Radiohead actually, Whoa. just because how crazy traffic was yeah. out of there. We didn't. It was not, you know, because love being in a walking city. Definitely, maybe biked. I don't know, bicycled. But wow. we definitely went into the liquor store in the neighborhood, and there were two guys. And I looked and was like, "Uh," but my friend I was with was just like, "Oh my God, you see them?" Just pointing at these Holy two guys, cow. and they freaked out and ran out of the store. And everybody, it was a t- real trip. Whoa. That's I crazy. That very, very I don't remember that. You weren't there at that, I don't think. Okay. We went back to the house. Okay. And I remember you stayed at the Best Western. I stayed at the Best Western. Off Clark Street. Yes. Yes. And we went, I we met there. up there. I think we met up there and walked to the we show. We met up there. Basically. Yeah. I stayed at yeah. the Best Western. I remember. I got a good deal in that place. I'd always try to stay at that Best Western. <laughs> <laughs> Clark and Tips. Diversity? Or in that Is that area. a street? Is that a street? Diversity is a street, yeah. I think it's right over there. It's weird. Just came back to my. I have no idea what I'm talking about. Shout out Scoob Steve. What's up, dog? He about to leave. Chicago. Did you guys you guys work together in San Antonio? Yes. You guys spun records and stuff. So Scoob Steve, I uh you know, I gave that I you know, I remember meeting him at the record store. He came in and he was like we were talking about hip hop, like right away we we hit it off, you know? So Mm -hmm. I I think that I might have given him his first DJ gig. Damn. Um, but yeah, Steve is like my brother, man. Known him for a long time. The man. The man. For real. We got to get him on the podcast. The man. You know, there were times at his house, man. We always would go to Steve's house and drink and hang out, listen to hip hop and rap. You know, people would just freestyle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember this one time. You know, Shorty from Houston. You know that girl? Oh, yeah. So shorty, so what's that, shorty? We were all there at Steve's house for some reason, and I was so mad because I was it was late and I was kind of drunk. Steve wouldn't let me make basically. Steve wouldn't let me make the chicken pot pie that was in the fridge in the freezer. I was so like, "Come on, man!" He's like, "No, no," 
And then so like, give me the mic. So I got the mic. And I was like, when I say chicken, you say Popeye, chicken, Popeye, chicken, Popeye. And like, it was the funniest thing. I don't know. You just had to be there. But it was everybody was, you know, in the hip hop community. Yeah, <laughs> San Antonio would always go to Steve's house. In HoustonHipHop.com. <laughs> Where's that? How'd we lose that? How'd we lose that? Damn. Another message board bites the dust. That's a... Uh, that's funny though. I mean, to think about a lot of people don't think about San Antonio as a hip hop city, but it's a big city. It's a big city, man. Things are happening, man. Lot, you know, and Steve, you go back to Steve. I'll tell you, he had lots to do with building that because you know when he moved away, they lost a good one because he's just a, such a such so good at organizing, mm-hmm. and that's what they needed. They needed somebody to come in and and oh, like oh, we they used to have a crew called Primates, Primates, of course, and do these like shows. Uh, you know, we had Claude, they put together this thing called Claude Caps, which is like this graffiti, because, you know, big graffiti scene in San Antonio. Yeah, definitely. And Steve was part of putting that together. And I remember we, he's like, let's start putting on shows. So I remember our first artist that we put on was MC Paul Barman. We got him. Wow. That was the very first primate show. But we learned a lot. You know, we hit up people. And that's the thing. It was like a Texas thing. Like Steve was like, I was like, I don't know. I have no idea how it works. Like, how do you even pay artists? Like, what are we doing? Like, how do we talk to her? Book it. I don't know. Call C in Houston. He knows. So, you know, we would just call people that we knew in different towns that were already doing this stuff. Mm -hmm. And they would, this is how you do it. She asked for this. This is when you should return it. You know, just like, just tricks, tricks of the trade. There you go. But yeah, it took a lot of that to get people to understand and come to a place like San Antonio. I remember those days. Oh, yeah. It was a struggle. Definitely. But then it always was fun. It's always fun. San Antonio shows are so much fun. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, people sleep. People sleep. <laughs> to an extent. Some of my favorite shows have been in San Antonio. Not just rap, just like all kinds of music. Cause, what were some of your favorite shows? Uh, let's see. I saw saw Devo in San Antonio. Uh, I saw this. In like 1979. Uh, I, saw Rage, <laughs> I saw Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> I saw them at Sunken Gardens. They used Oof. to have, they always, did you ever go to Sunken Gardens for the Bob Marley? They used to have these yes, Bob Marley fests. But I also And we used to sneak in, in the back, in the back. Yep. <laughs> up, the, up top. I don't know if I doubt you can even do that anymore. I, don't I think remember. they're redoing all that stuff. Those were so fun, man. I remember a random, I was in San Antonio and randomly went there and saw Santana. Like, so I, Santana? it wasn't something that I drove to San Antonio for. What I was, was in town and we went down to the park. Well, okay. Somebody was like Santana's playing at the park. Well, yeah, I could see that. It's well, crazy. It was, it was amazing. I saw Santana at the Alamo Dome once. I saw mm. Beastie Boys at the Alamo Dome Hello Nasty tour. That was pretty monumental for me. Who was? Because we had we had a uh, Mixmaster Mike play. We organized a show where Mixmaster Mike was playing after that with us. Ah. I was so excited. That was after you know it was just fun because we got to go. It was before like you could take photos and stuff. But I remember meeting the Beastie Boys. Like we got to go backstage, and it was like the Spurs locker room, you know, because it's the Alamo Dome, you know. Yeah. So I felt like, oh my god, it's amazing, you know. Like you look over, Money Marks like playing basketball. I don't know, you know, it's pretty awesome. So we just, uh, yeah, we picked up uh, Mixmaster Mike and that's dope. and played. And then two weeks later, he played, or not two weeks, like maybe like two months later, he played a show in Austin. Uh, Electric Lounge, maybe. Probably that was the shit. Yeah, they used to have a lot of hip hop shows there, right? All of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hip hop, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Mike Henry. Yeah. Those uh, man, I wonder if the, did John Spencer Blues Explosion and the Roots play with the the Beastie Boys on that? Because I saw a tour at the Summit. That, mm. I don't know what year Hello Nasty was. 
No, but no, I don't think that was that tour. But I I think I went to that show. I went to the summit in like ninety. That was ninety four. Ninety five. Mm-hmm. I went. Yeah, yeah. I went to that. Cause my my sister used to live in these apartments. They're not there now, but you could walk to the summit from those apartments. So like me and a bunch of friends. My sister's like older than me, so it was like, dude, can we stay at your house? So we all stayed at her place. Me and like a bunch of friends because we were younger. And I remember walking to that. See that show. It was pretty awesome. And I expected. I I had seen both the Roots and John Spencer Blues Explosion before, and I felt like felt like there's no way John Spencer Blues Explosion could translate into a big basketball arena, and I felt like the Roots would just be fine. And the Roots were great as always, but it wasn't like a big arena type show because right. you know they were the first opener. And then Blues Explosion came out with like the theremin that rocked the whole building, and like it was just raucous, loud. Killed it. It worked. Like I didn't think that little three piece, yeah, crazy band would work in an in arena a, and in front of like Beastie Boys fans and yeah. stuff. And it went crazy. Yeah, it was real good. Yeah. Oh man, those guys are great. Yep. He's always listen. Stephen Hill used to always our connection mm-hmm. from, from West Columbia. He had. <laughs> Wait, that was wrong. <laughs> he used to listen to Blues Explosion. Oh, we're gonna stop. <laughs> Like Orange or whatever, that album. Yeah. I used to listen to that one a lot. And then there was that remix one that has like Beck and Mike D on it. Mm-hmm. I think I think Moby has a song and like maybe. There's one with Killer Jizza, Priest. Or no, Killer Priest. Yeah. Yeah. Killer Priest is born in the pillars of yeast. <laughs> I remember that. Remember that? That yeah, was the line. That was the line. That's how much I listened to that thing. <clears throat> it was so good. Was, <clears throat> excuse me. Those were the days. That shit was great. Those were the days. For real. Yeah. Mixing things up. Yeah. So tell me about the new mix CD. Oh, I've handed it off already. Uh, it's a collaboration with DJ Mars. DJ Mars is called Made in USA. So it's basically this CD, also mixtape, also streaming on my mixcloud.com slash Filipino Fist um, is uh, basically a statement about America. I've been wanting to make a new mix and I haven't done one. Quite a long time. Um, used to do them all the time. But yeah, twenty really it's inspired honestly by like twenty twenty and the pandemic and just having a lot of time and really just a lot of time to do more creative stuff at home. Um and just you know, all the stuff that America went through, you know, everybody went through bad times. I mean, I know personally someone tried to that was a crazy year for me, man. That was a crazy year. I wasn't so, even here. I had to see it on the news. Yeah. I mean, somebody had tried to uh, break into my house at one point. I had, like, a family member die from, uh, like, gun violence. Mm-hmm. Um, I had, I was riding my bike uh, near campus, and these dudes tried to run me off the road, and they're calling me names because I'm Asian and chase me down. Uh, it was crazy, dude. 2020 was insane. And mm-hmm. so, and then all that stuff in the news, you know, that you already know about, uh, you know, the Black Lives Matter, and, uh, you know, the elderly Asian folks that were just getting, you know, because of, because, you know, attacked, you know, COVID 19. It's just crazy. Such a crazy time. It was crazy, and I remember talking to you, and you broke down a bunch of stuff you were going through, and I was like, yeah, I'm going through some stuff too, I think, but not quite 
Yeah, yeah, a lot, but that was a hell of a year for pretty much everybody. That yeah. was some shit. Yeah, it was some shit. <clears throat> yeah. And you peel back all that. Yeah. Yeah. But great art comes yeah. from great tragedies. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I agree. So I feel like that's, you know, we were talking about this earlier about how, you know, I just wanted to put something out into the world again. And, you know, like we are saying, there's a lot of stuff going on right now in Austin. There's a lot of people putting releasing music. It's pretty exciting and i think it's just it's it's kind of like a result of like all the bad stuff that people have been going through you know art making art now it's great no it's true and it's so uh it's amazing to see and it's also really weird after this like because when you even say we all know the realities but 2020 is almost a total blur i remember it all there's a lot of shit but i kind of put that way behind yeah. At this point, the way we are right now, it's almost like we just went to H-E-B together. Right. Just walked in, got our stuff. Real quick. No problem. Use no problem. We're wearing masks. Self-checkout. <laughs> touching right. buttons. <laughs> right. Whatever. Right. Normal. All good. Whatever. <laughs> Couldn't do that back then. And then, you know, you think back, that same place was it's so... I can't even... I remember it. I know it happened for sure. Yeah. But I sort of don't. It doesn't feel like reality. It doesn't. Like like we were talking like, you know, we were watching TV earlier and we were talking about um, wrestling. You know, I brought up, you know, do you remember during the pandemic how like they were having wrestling, how weird it was with no audience. But then you said, yeah, all sports. And it, I was thinking about it like, yeah, that's weird. Man. No, like such, a, such a crazy time with the baseball game or whatever. No audience. No, and you'd wow. watch the soccer with like they'd have the fake – crowd noise yeah just oh, like on fifa or something like on the video game like, yeah like something like <laughs> the whole way the whole game the whole game the whole game was just like just non-stop sad trombone <laughs> that shit was hard what is this Ooh. unsolved mysteries that brings us to our next topic did you watch beavis and butthead go to outer space yes was that a big deal oh my goodness uh yeah, so that was fantastic. That was a love letter to Texas, big time. Well, what was best for me about it was it was one of these things that I didn't know about it at all. It just popped up on my screen, and I was like, "There's a new Beavis and Butthead." <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah! Watch oh, it like immediately. It was so good. <clears throat> yeah, I loved it. I don't want to spoil anything for no. people that haven't seen it yet, but go go watch Beavis and Butthead do the universe. That's what it's called. It's, just, it's really universe. really good stuff. Uh. <laughs> It's so stupid, but I love it. I yeah. Love it. So stupid and smart. Mike Judge, yes. Yes. Nailed it. Hilarious. Yeah, and it's very Texas. Very Texas. Did you ever get to visit NASA as a youth? You lived right down oh, there. Oh, yeah. Hell Definitely. Yeah. Definitely, man. That was part of growing up, you know? Yep. Absolutely. I mean, kind of like that Linklater. Did you watch that Linklater movie yes. on Netflix? Yeah. Apollo, whatever? Ten and a half? Or we did, yeah. Eight and a half? I don't know. Um, that was definitely... Love letter to Texas also. Pretty much anything Leak Later does. Yep. I'm like, man, that reminds me of my childhood. Like every single movie. <laughs> you know, like I don't I don't know if he means it to you. Yeah, he means to do that, I guess. But it's just even like that movie Boyhood, which I really loved. Um, that was like, man, I just felt like me growing I was like, do people I, w- I remember watching that wondering like, do people in, in other cities and states like they appreciate it on the same level? I don't know. Because I saw it. I was like, man, I remember doing that. Going there. Astros yep. games. I mean, people appreciate it, but they have no idea it, yeah. as far as like, just like you don't know all the neighborhoods in yeah. 
random cities on or LA even maybe yeah. on some of these shows. But if you know, I could take you or anybody, and you could too. It's on a Days of Confused tour right now. We go to a bunch of shit. Yeah, you know, it's all over here. It's all like for sure down the street from my house. It's yeah. crazy. And the thing is too, you're not just from Austin. You lived in a small town. Yeah, West Columbia, where you also had to go to Houston for things and to Galveston possibly, and then you were surrounded by other small towns, and then you moved to San Antonio, which is a big-ass city yeah. in the top 10 of the United States. And then you come to Austin, which is number, what probably wasn't 11 back then, but put close, you know, it's a, number, it's a big enough city and a totally hip, cool, different place from everywhere else. Home. Yeah. So you've seen, like, a lot of what these films cover. Yeah. Because they also, a lot of times cover people coming from the sticks into the city or sure. that's when you see the whole spectrum. And then seeing that whole, my first job when I moved to Houston in 1989, I had it just for one month because it was, <clears throat> it was hell and it was stupid for me to take it, but it was just in a factory making, uh, uh, assembling little truck brake parts like okay. for semi trucks. And, okay. uh, my father got me that job and basically taught me a lesson that I don't want to work in a, 200 degree factory that uh, was in houston that was in webster that's why i was saying that oh, okay it's webster. so i used to have to come from like the astrodome area and it was, at least it was against traffic but i had to drive down practically to nasa and back for work every day that it was just oh but you're in that area and it was uh it was pretty nasa out yeah you know what i mean like, oh definitely everybody worked there in that area everybody was you know just way into it yeah and then going so, to nasa somebody had a family member that it's everybody, there, yeah. You know? Yeah. You probably went there with your school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got to go once. My father knew a guy who worked there, and we got to actually put like the little some of the astronaut stuff on and the helmets. Like we uh-huh. were like in the back, took us into this little area where we could try this stuff. It was crazy. That's cool. <clears throat> but to come I have a photo from, somewhere when I was a babe. I'm like a baby. I, it must have been. Must have been at NASA. I think my parents brought me, but it's like my head in like an astronaut suit, but like obviously it's not my body. So it's a pretty funny photo because it's like a little, little baby. You know? Yeah. <laughs> well, you were making crazy videos and things before anybody. Do you wish, because I see you, you do post them now, things mm-hmm. from your youth. Do you wish you'd have the internet as a kid so you could just post those right up, had a TikTok? Oh, man. As young Mikey. If I had a TikTok when I was Back a kid, then, I'd be, yeah. You'd be so rich. I would have been, I would have blown up. If it, <laughs> <laughs> you'd have blown up big. I'd have blown up, cause that's all I did, man. Like I, I don't know. My parents had a camera, and they lo- would let me use it, which is wild. Mm-hmm. Cause it wasn't like it was a cheap machine, but they're like whatever. <laughs> He's babysitting himself. Cause my both my parents worked. I was a latchkey kid, so they're like yep. whatever. So like uh, I had just had a tripod. And I would film all kinds of videos, man. <laughs> I go all over the place. I would, and then in, even in high school, I wouldn't. I'd always carry around a camera everywhere I went. I thought I was going to make movies, to tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. That's what I, I, thought, I thought that's what I eventually was going to do. You still can? I still can. I still can. I mean, I've seen a bunch of random clips, but do you have any of them collected like everywhere? Would you ever make like a DVD or an archive? Oh, yeah, man. Uh, I have a... I mean, they're all in VHS. I'm sort... That's kind of what I'm doing right now is I'm, I'm picking out my favorite parts and just digitizing stuff right now. And there's some stuff You're I have. You're making it a lot easier now. Yeah. It seems... Yeah, but I mean, a lot of the stuff I just did on that I have on VHS, and I just hope my one day I hope I don't, you know, jinx it. 
put the tape in there and it gets eaten or something. So I'm trying to digitize as much as possible right now. Yeah, you have to. But yeah. But even in high school, like I made a senior video and uh, this is crazy. I was thinking about this the other day. So in high school, so the high school student council puts out a video like this is our video, senior class, you know, but I made my own video that was kind of like a rebellious thing. But it was like, it was, you know, it was out. It was like, this is these people at parties and stuff, you know, and just, you know, I don't know. <laughs> it was pretty funny because it was obviously something that it was like I was trying to go kiss the grain, you know. Yeah. And uh, I, I had taken orders and got like $5 deposits from people. And I ended up, you know, making some pretty good money on it. Um, you just dubbed videos for people? I just dubbed videos. My mom knew somebody from work that could, like, if you give them one VHS, they can dub you a bunch of videos, but you have to let them know. How. So I, like, and they came with a label, but I called the video Touch My Monkey because we had gone, because the, <laughs> the whole thing was we had gone to the Houston Zoo one day, me and my friend back in the day. His name was Decker, Shane Decker. We had gone to the Houston, Houston Zoo one day, and we saw this monkey, and we are like, monkey was like touching himself we're like no way it was like a monkey that would sit on your shoulder kind of monkey we were like oh my god next time we come back we got to bring the camera so we went back and we spent like it must have been, I, I was watching it the other day we must have spent like 45 minutes like there he goes oh he's not doing it ah! and all of a sudden it was like the masturbating monkey and we were like oh my god this is what this is what the video could be it could be called touched by monkey it was like this whole plan to where, like, people watch this, you know, that's the whole thing. Like, don't show anyone the video, and it's going to sell the video. Like, class, you know, the class video, senior class video. I ended up getting expelled, uh, like, right before graduation. I don't know if you would say expelled, but they, they suspended me. I think that's the word I'm looking for. Because, because of the video. <laughs> and so I had to, like, go home and show my dad the video. It was so awkward. You know, I think he kind of wanted to laugh, but he didn't laugh because, yep. you know, he's the dad. But I thought it was pretty funny. But it's just being stupid. Like, part of me looks back at those videos. I'm like, oh, I'm such an idiot. Like, I, you know, some of them I'm just like, oh, God, who am I? You know? No, you got them. It's great. <laughs> it's great. But, yeah, that was pretty memorable. I haven't even thought about that in so long. You were the content king before content. I had lots of content. <laughs> before we knew any of these brand things. Lots of content. Where's a, has this been released to the internet before? Is that one? The monkey thing? Yeah. No. Dang. It's, it's, no. See, I'm building it up. It sounds more fun to talk about when you want it. When you actually watch it, you're like, hey, it's stupid. <laughs> just a monkey, like, just cleaning himself off or something. It's really dumb. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't Good know. job. And then, you know, as teenagers, you know, yeah. like Beavis and Butthead, basically, horny teenagers, you're like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that all day it's so stupid and now every time you're in west columbia <laughs> you walk down the street you can't you can't walk down the street without getting noticed and remember people got to bring that up you're right that's right wc good job wc <laughs> roughnecks are they yeah that was our we were west the, columbia roughnecks we were the columbia columbia roughnecks we we're in high school and then in uh junior high we we're the roustabouts hmm. so roughneck is uh Experienced oil worker and a roustabout is an inexperienced oil worker. I never knew. I, I know. I forgot that I knew that. <laughs> I just came out. <laughs> That's <real>. down there. <laughs> what, 
when did you first start releasing mixes and things? That's what was the first one? Riverwalk Riots. Riverwalk Riots, two thousand one or two thousand two at the end of two thousand, and then two thousand one is when I got that job doing the Boca Burger Mobile, and then uh, I thought I was actually done DJing, so I went on the road. I called my mom. I was like, "Hey, mom, um, you know, just say hi, whatever." She's like complaining that I got all this stuff in storage at their house because I didn't have an apartment. I just put everything in their garage. I was like, "Well, send me some of it." So she sent me a bunch of those Riverwalk Ride CDs. And so I used those CDs. This is before, you got to understand, this is before the internet, it's before Facebook or my, even MySpace. I took those CDs and I would go to every independent record store and uh, radio station along the way. You know, all my days off, it was just mm-hmm. something to do and just give them a CD and like my little press kit that I made. It was just Xerox articles. <laughs> and then that's how it kind of... You know, all of a sudden I was getting emails from like Texas Monthly and then Aquarius Records in San Francisco, who I think were the ones that really put it on. They, they put they mentioned me in their newsletter. And then all of a sudden, like other music in New York hit me up. And then like just people from the Village Voice. This is like the most like, oh, this is how it works. People are just friends. There's like a group of 50 people that they tell one person and the other person knows and then that's how it becomes popular. I mean, it probably works to some degree the same way now. It's probably a little different, but I mean, pretty were they wild. asking you pretty to send copies? Yeah, so everyone was at, so all of a sudden, like, yeah, everybody wanted copies, you know? And this, you couldn't send an MP3 back then, so I didn't have to send all these CDs. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so I'd send people CDs. That's how I met Kikawala. He was on the road. He was in, I happened to be in Boston, he was with he was touring with his band at the time. He had a band called Bullfrog, and they were yeah. playing um, in Boston. I think in Cambridge actually. And I went to the show, and I <coughs> gave him a CD, and showed him some of the press stuff that mentioned me uh, and him in the same sentence. And I was like, "Yo, they say they say we sound alike. Check it out." But it wasn't like "Yo, bring me on tour." It was more like, "Thank you for your music. Check out check out mine." And so he listened to it, and he liked it. Wow, and you just met randomly up there? Just, I mean, I met him after, after show, I waited after afterwards show, yeah. to be like, hey, check this out. It's, a, it's funny, I have, a, I have a photo from that show, oh, from, from meeting him that, that night. It's funny. You have everything. Yeah, I try to <laughs> try to capture every moment. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's crazy, man. That kind of changed everything for me. For, you know, from making this, like, basically that Riverwalk Riots was just made for my friends it was just made to sell at hogwild records and just to like i never imagined that it would change everything yeah i mean imagine the people who had no idea what the river walk is yeah exactly they're probably what you is it <laughs> yeah this? yeah yeah but no, but no. i remember taking photos for that if you look at the cd itself there's pictures of us in front of the alamo mm-hmm. and just walking downtown and i remember one i remember taking that picture in front of the alamo and then the guards at the alamo telling us to, to leave whenever we took those because I had like my this little portable turntable with me but they're like what are you guys doing hey you gotta get out of here (laughs) yeah that was crazy but uh cheesy as it can be I still do love walking around down there me too man I I used so I used to live in these apartments that are that are probably I think they're still there at the time they were like low income but they were called the Maverick apartments and uh they were it's on South Presta Houston Street but yeah, dude, I would walk around downtown. I would sometimes just uh, walk to work. I'd walk to Hogwild. But that was that's where I lived after I graduated school. So mm-hmm. I lived there for like almost a year. 
It was so fun. It was just like a 300 square foot apartment, but, but you know, I had a good time, man. I love I love the river walk. You know, it was a good time. It felt like I just love just the history of walking around that. You just feel it and you see it. And just, yeah, it's just amazing. Yeah, definitely. And if you go off the path of the river walk, you keep going. You know, it goes way further, and people know it's not all just the retail and that part. There's there's a whole long. Oh yeah. You can walk down the BFW Hall. Oh, definitely. Southtown. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, all the art galleries and stuff. I mean, that, that was just a fun time, man. Good era. San Antonio is a great city. A lot, a lot of overlap with the art scene and the music scene there. Yeah, it's really nice. And just the, uh, I mean. It's community. Serious. Sense of community there. <clears throat> no, there's a, there is a real sense of community there. It's a whole different mind state. But I just feel like when you walk around a place like. It's, I mean, you said you like the Riverwalk. There is a lot of like touristy, cheesy parts of it, but when sure. you go down there, it's San Antonio still. Like, there's so many real bars. Oh yeah, that you don't see up here so much in Austin. Oh, like, definitely. That are so just, just like, like been there only forever. In San Antonio. Just, like right. straight up bar bar. Oh, for that, sure. You know, like the the feeling and just the churches and all the stuff you walk around. The old see, architecture. All the old architecture is just amazing. You can look and see the buildings. What's the building? I don't know. It's not that important. It's right off. If you're tower, looking at the Alamo, it's off to the left, that big tower. Is it the Tower of Life? I think that's what it's called. Not like the Sky Needle Tower. Um, well, you also have one of those. That's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> From the World's Fair. Yeah, exactly. Hemisphere. Hemisphere Plaza. Hemisphere Plaza. We saw El Dusty at Hemisphere Plaza for Dia de los Mortes down there last year. And I remember walking around there going like, no offense, but... If this was around like Sixth Street in Austin, I wouldn't be there. And down right. there, it was just so it was like a lot of it was just very familial. Sure, sure. Real families and just Definitely. people way into it for the actual event. There wasn't anybody down. I mean, lots of people were dressed up and stuff. So obviously to be seen and stuff in the but in this in that little scene that world and it was just a whole different feeling and I felt so good yeah. walking around that. Definitely, but there used to. I think it's still there. Inst- Institute of Texan Cultures. Have you ever been there? Uh, there's a museum down there. And I remember when I was growing up, uh, they have different, basically it's like, it kind of celebrates the cultures of everyone that's different, different cultures that have moved to Texas. And I remember when I was a kid, my mom, her picture was in there in that museum for a while. A good like, I don't know, six or seven years or something. I remember being like, having a lot of pride, you know. That's my mom. What was it? What was the picture? But it was just for? Philippines under the okay. Philippines, like ah, okay. Uh, Lucy, Lucy Minanagat Pendon is from the Philippines, and she came here as a nurse, and you know she works at the Bradsport Moore Hospital in Lake Jackson, Texas. You know oh, all man. this stuff. I thought that was so cool. That know? is cool. <laughs> yeah, that's super cool, man. Yeah. That is that's it. Yeah, I got a photo of that somewhere. Yep. What of a otherwise music be here? I know you've been doing stuff with Gabe from Breakaway mm-hmm. and things like this, but what are some of the other things you've got going on these days? So that Made in USA mix yep. is a DJ. So there's a guy named DJ Mars. Yep. Uh, he's from San Francisco. I used to live in San Francisco for a couple of years, um, but he is from a crew called Bulletproof uh, Space Travelers, a.k.a. Bulletproof Scratch Hamsters. Um, but... Real dope scratch DJ. And we've been kind of talking about, you know, we message each other once in a while, but I remember like he was making masks <laughs> during the pandemic. He sent me a mask. Uh, 
mm-hmm. Giants mask. And then we were just talking about like, hey, man, I was like, you should come to town, play a show sometime. We should do a mix. So we should do, or I don't remember whose idea it was, but it was like, let's do a USA mix. You know, so basically he has a one side, I have the other. Originally, we were just going to do it as a mixtape, mm-hmm. you know. So, but we were like, oh, let's have it stream also so people can actually listen to it because, you know, most people are checking for streams. You know, don't charge anything. And then we can sell mixtapes and sell CDs. So we made some CDs and the mixtapes are on their way. That's dope. Yeah. Because I'm, uh, I'm about tired of streaming. Yeah, man. The convenience is nice, but like even I was just listening. We're always in the car listening to things on streaming services going like, did they master this? Right, right. You know, and you know they probably did, but there's just something weird with it, you know, and I and I like to actually have this. Like you mentioned mailing your CDs out. Like for me, I get 50 random emails a day from publicists I may or may not know, and most of it's nothing that it's, it's very interesting. You know, like back in the day, it was so exciting, no matter what, to open up packages get from package. the mail, get that, get those oh, CDs, yeah. get some vinyl, get t- advanced tapes. Definitely, that was a shit. Definitely, man. I remember, I would write to like different record labels and ask for promos and stuff. That was just so exciting. Mm-hmm. You know, when I worked at the record store and haven't, you know, I would literally write letters, <laughs> and they would, I did that. Hell, and yeah. they would send me CDs in the mail. Like, look at this, I got a free CD. You know, it would just be like a cardboard. Yeah, you know, it's the promo version. You know, like, yep. I'd be so excited, but you know, it's more apt to listen to it. You were like, "We really think this would work in this market, and we're going to need some copies for in-store play." <laughs> yeah. We yeah. really try to pump up. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, totally. That yeah. was the, 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 you know, exactly, absolutely. How many? No, but I remember that's how I heard about you because I read an article. I think that you wrote for Forty Eighty, back in the day. Yep, and I think you had interviewed Cypress Hill. Something. <clears throat> that was my first cover was that, story. Was that 4080? Yeah, 1995. I think that's how I first heard about you. Stephen Hill had told me about you. And then. And that's right, because that's about when I was running. He was here. Yeah. Daniel. 45th. Yep. Uh, he, yeah. 45th <clears throat> Avenue A. He lived over there. Yep. And I remember uh, that kind of inspired me because he started writing a little bit. Did you did you write for uh, MMR? Maximum no, or was that maybe no. Steven? I don't know. Somebody, well, some one of his friends did, but I was just like, man, that would be fun to write about music. Maximum rock and roll. Yeah. No, I yeah. never wrote for them. Um, but I remember I would read some reviews in there, and he would show me like, "This is my friend," so I wasn't sure if that was you. Or somebody else. But uh, I don't know. Sahas, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, those days, those days. But I remember being inspired by that, and that's kind of what. I was like writing a little bit. Like I wrote for, I don't know if you remember in Houston, there used to be a thing called Urban Beat Magazine. Of course. Andrew Chong. Andrew so, Chong, yeah. So I used to write for them for a little bit. Uh, a couple of years. And he, I remember getting CDs from him. Urban Beat was great it, too. It was great. I mean, Urban Beat, Public News, there was all public kinds news. of stuff going on in Houston. Yeah. Uh, so at the same time, I was writing for the school newspaper, uh, the Paisano at UT San Antonio. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really have good grades, but I was putting out, music reviews all over the place, interviewing artists, coming to Austin, doing interviews. It was great, man. I mean, now this is predates all the DJ and stuff. It's just like, because I had a passion for the music, you know. But, Were you writing as Michael Pendon? Yeah. Yeah. Michael Pendon, I think for the Paisano. Sometimes Mikey Pendon. 
would be. <laughs> yeah. But you know, and then I kind of graduated, and I then the DJ stuff kind of took over. But I, that's back in the day, man. I used to just write music reviews all the time. But yeah, definitely Andrew Chong, Urban Beat, the whole Houston. Like I would go to Houston and meet at like Cafe Brazil for mm-hmm. meetings and stuff. You know, because I'd, I'd go see my parents on the weekend and then go to those meetings on Saturday mornings. Yeah, and, thankfully, and then, Cafe Brazil still exists. Still exists, still yep. there. Yeah. Uh, DJ Sun has an album coming out and a thing with like a symphony. Yeah, coming great, up. Man, that's crazy. Yep. What an influence that guy, man. For real. Holy cow. Yeah, if you were at Urban Beat and going to Brazil, you know. Yeah. I remember who else? Craig. Remember that guy used to write? Craig Lindsay. Craig Lindsay. He's still around. <laughs> he's still around. Craig's, Craig's out yeah, there. He's out there. Yeah, living. Um, I mean, that's, and honestly, that's kind of how he's, I that's Uncle how, Uncle Crizzle on Instagram. Uncle Crizzle, yep. yep. Uncle Crizzle. That's how I met. That's kind of how I met, like, mathematics. Like, you know, uh, Witness and comp one c plus back in the day yeah it was kind of like through urban beat because they were like oh there's a party so i'd go and i remember meeting i think the first when i the first dj i met was probably witness mm-hmm. back then he were, i remember he worked at sound waves back then did he off of like maine okay. yeah and then he had then he started then he started his own thing called still digging which was like this record store for a little bit right. but i don't know they they all i know is they had a scene way before I even knew this is like the infancy of me like, whoa, this is so cool, you know, <laughs> back in the day. It was fun. Yeah, was, that's what Houston we talked about so in the fun. beginning was those, yeah. those other scenes that you don't hear about. Like, But when the wax and stuff was happening and yeah. the roots and people like that were playing in Houston and they were coming to Catfish Station here in Austin yeah. and, you know, you didn't hear about like the monumental nights that, you know, changed a lot of stuff for us too. Yeah, absolutely. And those those kind of changed my life, you know, it's going to those things like, Oh, that's how you do it. This mm-hmm. is, this is a community. We're here for the turntables. I see. I see. Yeah. That's crazy. I feel like Houston had a lot of really great DJs, but when it came to like tricks and wild shit, it was more Dallas, Austin, and then y'all down in San Antonio. We had them. We had people who could go, but lots of people who could scratch and mix real well, but Houston always had a style, but people like baby G mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for uh, sure. So many. Definitely. What was it? What was it? I mean, that's how I met Nick Knack. All those dudes was through Urban Beat because mm-hmm. I remember during South by Southwest, I came up one time. Me and Andrew Chong went to the radio station. That's how I met Les. Was yeah, I went up to KBRX. Yeah, we went to KBRX. Right. They were doing their show. I actually have video because I brought my video camera. I actually I sent that to Nick not that long ago, but that was the first time I met all those dudes. And some of those dudes are like really to this day like good friends, like Brent, Ipanadam in yep. New York. You know, he was kind of part of that scene. Uh, uh, Red Kool-Aid. Yeah, Kool-Aid. Jeff Cashless. Uh, who else? Uh, all the way over to, you know, I mean, back like Mel. Jonathan. Who was doing, he wasn't in just in that crew, but he was doing Nasties already Chris. back then, I believe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Alex. All those dudes. That was like the crew, man. And then I would see, then I would see those dudes at hip hop shows because we'd always come, we'd always come up from San Antonio and we'd come to Nasties to check out Mel's thing. And so I'd always see those dudes there. But yeah, that was an era for sure. Man, for real, and that's what I I love about these uh, histories and this talks because, like I say, I've always said, even back when I lived in Houston, like it was a little too Houston centric, but there was so much shit going on all over here. And those guys, you, all those guys you just named were 
pivotal in promoting the music and the culture and bringing people together, bringing events, you know, to this part of the country. And it was a such a great collective of people who need to be heard, need to be talked about. I need to get Nick on here because he just released a new a new record. Yeah, he's got this beat juggling thing. It's pretty dope, man. It is. Yeah, you already got it. He always has. I don't have it yet. I need to hit him up about that. But uh, what if it's not dope? I've listened to it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you might be playing or something. No, I know it'll be dope. I'm a fan. No, I'm from what I've heard. From what I've heard. I mean, it's Nick. It's yeah. quality control, man. Yeah. <laughs> we gotta get it. I gotta get him on here. Oh, get definitely. the whole. What was the crew? Him and X Man, Soup, X-Man. Snoopy, Snoopy, Dude. Soup, uh, Spencer. Yeah, man. Back in the day, I don't yeah. know. I was in San Antonio. I don't remember. But <laughs> you weren't battling them. <laughs> I wasn't bat. No way, dude. Those dudes are awesome. No, we were battling them. No way. But they would come to San Antonio. I remember X Man and Nick would come down and DJ every once in a while with us. Man. But yeah. Those are the dudes we looked up to, dog. Hell yeah. <laughs> now, I remember when they came on the scene, House of Fat Beats. That was also 95, I think. Okay. Probably 95. Yeah. Yep. That makes sense. That's yes. The, that's that era. And then that Electric Lounge era came in, the Hip Hop Mega era. Yeah. So many people we got to talk to. I know. You ever had uh, Doug on here? No, we have discussed it. I told him he's it's open. He's got stories. He got a lot of stories. <laughs> open invitation. For sure. Get him on here. Well, what else is coming up for you, man? Flying the friendly skies. Can you get buddy passes for people? Yeah. Hook them up. <laughs> you, you sell those on Everybody the side. Everybody, hit me up right now. <laughs> I got you. At Filipino Fist <laughs> SW. Um. Uh, yeah. So my day job, I'm a flight attendant. And so I just do that. Lately, I've been doing that during the week. And then on the weekend, I've been doing a lot of private parties. Uh, 2022 is the year of the private party, man. I'm telling you, it's crazy. I haven't had so many private parties in my life. Why is that? But it's been fun. Uh, People ready to party. And they want to party with their friends. You know, inclusive. I don't know. It's pretty crazy. Yep. But, uh, yeah, that's what I've been doing. Um. Got some stuff here and there. And if you want to book DJ Jester, he can get there. That's that's part of the expense yeah. right off the top. Yeah. So yeah, I've been I played this uh this thing for I don't know, that band the Linda Linda's their manager mm-hmm. in San Diego. Um that was pretty fun. Um yeah. So like you let me know, man. <laughs> book me, man. Yeah. I'll come to you. You know what I'm saying? He's ready. <laughs> He's ready. He is ready. Man, I definitely appreciate you coming over here and getting on a an edition of Talk So Real. Definitely, man. This allergy medicine is nice. It worked out? It worked out. Whew. It worked out. Thank you for taking me to H-E-B. Appreciate that. That was. I don't know these. I don't it know feels what the... like That's the right button. I think yellow is applause. There you go. There we go. Hey, you're the technical guy. <laughs> you are. And then there's that. <laughs> what is that one for? Okay. That could be. That could be the theme. And here we are. Sports. Get pumped. Just get pumped up. Get for pumped. The get DJ pumped. Jester podcast. Get pumped. For real. If people want to get in touch with you and get copies of the CD, the cassette, all this, where's the best place okay, to find so you? Okay, so just remember Home at Home Depot at Filipino Fist. Sizzler. <laughs> so uh yeah on instagram at filipino fist 
on Mixcloud at Filipino Fist, uh, SoundCloud at Filipino Fist. You know, they're all at Filipino Fist. Just remember that. And you can find me on all the socials. And we will have these CDs and cassettes available soon. But for now, just go to mixcloud.com slash Filipino Fist. What about the Whoopi Cushions? My mix made in USA. Why Whoopi Cushions? Uh, I have those as well. Those are on my band camp. But if I see you in the streets, ask me for one. And I might have one in my pocket. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. I don't think I even Maybe. Knew you sold them on your band camp. Amazing. I did. Nobody bought any, so I took it off. <laughs> Cause I was like, I don't know, man. I don't have that many left. I'm a, I'm just gonna give them out to people. Where did you get those made? <laughs> Butcher Bear was the one that told me to put them on my band camp. But I did. I had them yeah. on there, but I took them down. Where do you get them made? Um, there are there have been several companies, but I tell you, the last company, the the company that I went through before this, they kept breaking, so people would. Constantly send me messages. Ah, oh, you gave me a defective whoopee cushion. No, <laughs> so that's a semi old new whoopee cushions. So uh, I go through a new company now, and you'll be happy to know that I don't have any more uh, defective whoopee cushions. Man, you don't need all that. I have the top. My name is DJ Jester Filipino Fist, and I have the top quality whoopee cushions <laughs> for you. So if you're looking for a really good whoopee cushion, hit me up. Man, hit him up. Uh, but yeah. I have a lot of whoopee cushions. I've given away a lot of whoopee cushions. I'm I'm I made some new stickers. I have new stickers, uh, and I have a new CD. This is big. Pretty excited. I hadn't, you know, because I do merch maybe like every four years. Kind of lazy about it. I'm pretty excited. This is a good merch year for me. These are great. Pretty stoked. You got to get your hands on made in USA. Is it is there a reason why it's made in USA? Uh well made in the USA. Could, well our thing is it's an American mix. Yep. You know, everything's about the USA. Um uh, good and bad. I mean, just listen to it. You'll you'll get it when you listen to it. It's not you know, it's not a patriotic mix. I mean it, it can be. <laughs> it just depends on how you're listening to it. You just gotta read between the lines. Whatever you want. They got whatever you, whatever you want. want it to be. You want it to be patriotic? It's patriotic, <laughs> but it's this. I'm telling you though, this mix is per, will be perfect for uh, your upcoming July Fourth barbecue. July Fourth is a great holiday, by the way. Um, it's honestly, it's my favorite, one of my favorites, and I think it has to do with the fireworks. Mm. And I don't know. It, it's a you know what a time to be alive. It's a crazy time to be an American right now. And just listen to this mix, and hopefully it'll it'll make you feel better about being American. Chester's mix is actually all Paris classics. <laughs> Panther power. Panther power, bitch. The whole tape. <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. Get on it. You're going to love it. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much, brother, for coming down, man. We can do this anytime. Whenever you want to sit down, kick it. Yeah, we man. We can do it. Definitely. And uh, we should go play some tennis. We did invent No Rules Tennis. No That's Rules true. Tennis. We need to do that again. I think it's time. We're well overdue. Right now, when it's you know, 103, 104. Perfect, we perfect, perfect weather. Perfect weather yeah. for Noble's tennis. We did have <laughs> we did have a few tennis days that lasted about six minutes. Yeah, because it was too like, hot. This is it. It's over. It's like we got the Instagram video. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> let's swim. Basically. Let's swim. We just, yeah, we basically just, okay, let's go to the pool. Yep. That's how we do. Too hot. 
already man dj jester at filipino fist on all the socials i'm talk so realist on a couple of them and um i might make a tiktok fuck it just like you dude yeah follow me on tiktok one of these days i I'm think you need should you to help me i have so here's the thing i i have a tiktok uh but i i took it off my phone because i was looking at it too much but i i'm active on it every once in a while at filipino fist but i want to see your tiktok there's be some good tiktoks oh yeah it's gonna be amazing I can dance. Y'all don't know. <laughs> I can. Shit. You should do that right now. Just do a TikTok yeah, no. dance video. <laughs> Not yet. I'm waiting. Waiting on season three. Season three is going to debut with the uh, the TikTok. <laughs> it's going to be a live TikTok experience. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. I feel it. Yeah. Already made in the USA, man. DJ Jester and DJ Mars. It's uh, out there on the internet now. You need to get that. And uh, like I say all the time, tell a friend to tell a friend. Talk so real. Matt Gonzalez on all your favorite platforms, I think. Yes. Hit me up. Thank you, sir. Yellow, yellow. Yeah. Austin FC, that's what's up. All right, all right, all right.